Super Talk Mississippi media production. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. This is Weekend Gardening. Well, well, well. Y'all be nice now. Daniel's flying by the seat of his pants, and as you all know, when you take over the helm here of the Starship Enterprise, you literally have to dance and sing and tap dance all at the same time. And he's getting pretty good at it, so y'all be nice to him. That's when you call, because you want to talk about your plants. He'll answer the phone first. He will say ma'am and sir, because he's a very polite Mississippi man, but that's okay. 888 Eight zero eight eight six three seven. That is the telephone number. Of course, it is the Super Talk call line. The ceasefire text line is available to you. It is six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. There are people I am happy to say who wait for this time on Saturday, put their uh, telephone or their radio in their ear, so to speak, and go out into the garden just to wander about and see what's happening. And thankfully. Listen to this program. My name's Nellie Neal. I'm known as the Garden Mama. That's because everybody's garden needs a mama, and I have advice. If I don't, I will either tell you I don't, or I'll tell you where to find it, because I don't know everything, thank goodness. I would, whew, that would be intimidating. But gardening is a vast and huge green world. This time of year, those of us who love it kind of have to bulk up the folks that don't. We have to kind of go to them and say, hey, no, it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Keep mowing the yard. It's okay. It's okay. There aren't that many bugs on the tomatoes. It's okay. The flowers are going to bloom. It's all right. We have to be a little bit because guess what? June turns a lot of things around. People in other parts of the country wait for June because it's when they can finally do things like plant squash, all right, or sow zinnia seeds. And we do sow some. We sow zinnia seeds every week of the summer here in the southeastern part of the United States and similar climates. I'm happy to say that uh, we are in the lower temperate, upper subtropical and subtropical world. We have a few tropical friends that listen, and we've got a few folks way up there in Zone 7, hello Nashville, that listen in on Saturdays, and they're very nice to do that. And I will, of course, always adapt information, because let's face it, I've gardened in a few places in my life, and I'm happy to help you garden more places in yours. Now, this particular day is... uh, I just have to feel like we're going to set the recorder on the weather forecast. Might rain, might not. Probably going to rain, probably won't. There's all of those things that you hear the meteorologists say, and they put the disclaimer into everything. Because when you, if you, if you back up a little bit and look out at the radar for the southern part of the United States of America at this point, we are really in a better position than most of the rest of the country. We are only hot. We're not broiling like out west. And frankly, they're not prepared for it. So it's, it's, it's dangerous there. And in fact, in the northeast, they've had so many swings that they're getting a little bit seasick from the temperature going up and then going back down and then going back up. But we here are on the steady southern progression. 
It'll be a little less humid and a little less hot for a day or two or three, and then it begins to crank up because the southern part of our world begins to churn up. The Gulf of Mexico sends us more warm air. But then again, there'll be some weather coming down from the north, and that'll help keep things a little bit more moderate here right up until July, and that's next week. That, you know, friends, if your hoses are not set up, if your irrigation system is not working, whatever it is that you do to water your plants, figure it out today. And that's my best piece of advice. I don't know that we're going to have a drought, but I will tell you that right now there are roadside flowers Um, Some blooming that usually we don't see bloom until the end of summer. There even are some, like fleabane, that are still blooming and in different places. So we can't predict what's going to happen. But I can tell you that July is generally the, the month out of the year that people send me more emails saying, I forgot to water and now you name the plant is wilting. Will it come back? Well, I don't know. But I can tell you that if you have a shrub, for example, that you have planted in the last two years, that's the time that that we think of as the transition time to getting established in your garden. It's harder to to resuscitate an older one sometimes. Sometimes it's harder to resuscitate a younger one. But if it's a younger shrub and you didn't water it last summer, well, maybe it's a tough shrub. It came along and did fine. However, don't forget... An old shrub can use some water some years, too. So pay attention and take a look at the plants. When leaves begin to get pale in the hot afternoon, it's not necessarily that they are needing water. But on the other hand, if they stay that way overnight, yeah, they do. Let's go ahead and put that basic one out there in the first place. That, of course, is always the hydrangea. If your hydrangea wilts every afternoon and it's not a limelight, which is suitable for sun more than the others, but if you have a big old French hydrangea and it is, in fact, wilting every afternoon, you're going to have to, if it recovers overnight, that's okay. But it's always going to do this, and you you will have to be aware of it. That's why some people end up digging up their hydrangeas and moving them the following winter. All right, all right. Let's see what's going on. We've got some things popping in already on our text line today. Um, Let's see. Um, you're going to have to leave these for me so I can see them until leave them in, in highlighted until I, so I can see them because otherwise I don't know where to start. I, I almost asked y'all a question about sports. <laughs> By the way, you know I'm a fan of college sports, and uh, this World Series has been pretty wacky. Beautiful weather, and then kaboom, everything gets delayed. I guess that's the Midwest. I don't know, but we'll just all have to hold our breath for today a little while. Oh, this is lovely. This is just beautiful, John. Thank you very, very much. The uh, flooded, flooded gardens in the Delta. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. But lovely. <laughs> it's beautiful, however. However, a little bit sad. Oh, let's see. Um... I think you're looking you're looking at a rose, but I couldn't begin to tell you its name. There's so many roses. Um, however, because it is yellow and blooming on a fairly short stem, and the, just from the arrangement of the leaves, um, Brenda, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess um, because it's probably a, a rose hip or something that got dropped from in somebody else's garden. I'm gonna guess that this is one of the parent roses of a drift because it's blooming on such a low 
stem and in such a big flower. But that's the, that doesn't really mean much because it's hard to tell you. They're, roses are kind of like, um, if, if all you saw, for example, was a close-up view of a box full of different kinds of pasta, it would all pretty much look the same, even though when you separate them all out, you can identify the penne from the bow tie from the this from the other thing. But in terms of roses, it's very difficult, too, simply because they all have a similar cast to them, especially if you didn't plant it. It can grow from a hip, and yep. Sometimes the birds plant those, so you've got a you have a surprise. <laughs> Not a bad one. Not a bad one. Let's see. Um from Louisville, Brian, good morning. Thank you so much. You're very sweet. Thank you for saying those nice things about me. It makes me feel good. I love that. Um how do they get hurricanes to <laughs> land in alphabetical order? I should have realized that was you, Ken, before I read that question. The good news is that if you think about it, and I do know more about hurricane naming than probably you want to know. But hurricanes were always named for women. But before that, they were just named basically from the date that they hit. And then as their numbers increased in particular areas, and as we, you know, 10% of the world's population lives along coasts, so there's going to be a lot of people getting those same numbers of storms. And how do you count them and how do you write all that down anyway? Well, that's why they started naming them. Um, there was, and I would guess the year, but I would be wrong, there was a hurricane that destroyed my aunt's house in Gulfport before the one that destroyed it completely, which was Camille. But the one that destroyed it originally was in the 30s. But I don't, I don't believe it had a name. I believe it was the date of that particular storm. If I said the date, I'd be wrong. Um, so that's another reason. So we can re- reference them as points in time and yeah it's a lot of people felt like they should always be named for men and women as they do now back and forth and back and forth in the same way that they think about ships whether they're named for women or whether they're named for women and men or whether they have some other sort of reference name to them as a woman I and as one whose name has never been popular I kind of disliked it when the men got their half because that means they'll never get to Nellie. There will never be a Hurricane Nellie except me, of course, but there'll never actually be one. And that, that's kind of sad, but that makes me sexist, I think, so I have to not feel that way. <laughs> or I have to not I have to not be bothered by it. I can, I can have an edge about it, but I have to not be bothered by it. Something about the nature, and it, I mean, it is, it, it's, of course, it's very much talked down to to say that you have to be you have to storm, name a storm after a woman because they're all stormy, you know, and whatnot. But that's another thing in, in, entirely. This week, another thing to be doing. If you haven't pinched the Joe Pye weed, if you haven't pinched the Clara Curtis mums, now's the time. Um, in this week's All Things Garden Mama newsletter, I put in pictures of the unpruned and the pruned, or pinched as I call it. I have some because there's been so much water in my front bed. There were Clara Curtis there that I know I pinched eight weeks ago, but it has rained so much, and I, I don't fertilize that bed. They don't need fertilizer from me. I may give them a little bit this year because it's been so wet, but they really don't usually need any. And the leaves have just been beautiful. But some of them are two and a half feet tall, and some of them are four inches tall, just because that's how they re- recovered from both the winter as well as the wet spring. So, yeah, I've pinched the others back, and some of them didn't grow at all, but I've pinched the rest of them now, and and I'm, I'm hopeful that that's going to bring me some beautiful flowers, more or less on stems that can be cut, 
in the in the autumn. The Clara Curtis chrysanthemum, of course, is one of the what I call solo plants. Um, Linton rose, Helleborus orientalis is another one. There's only one that can grow here with any success, and for that reason, um, it's 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 really important that we grow the ones that do well. And then maybe try some of the others. But if we don't get that confidence from growing the ones that we know can do well here, it's, we're not as likely to try another mum if we've never tried Clara Curtis, okay? So Clara Curtis is or also called country girl. You'll see her that way sometimes. Um, she is a short-day plant. Now, I realize that there are 24 hours in every cycle, all right? So I'm not saying that she needs an 18-hour day and night. She needs a shorter day. And what we have, of course, we've just passed the summer solstice, the longest day of the year. That means the longest amount of daylight in a particular 24-hour span. But from there, it all gets shorter. And that, right now, is when Clara Curtis and Joe Pieweed and other short-day plants begin setting their flowers. They're triggered by the amount of sunlight that they receive. That's why you will oftentimes find chrysanthemums, different ones do this, and some are long day, some are short day, but you will find short day chrysanthemums grown in an, in an environment where they, it limits their daylight so that they can be bloomed at different times of the year. In this case, we take advantage of the natural situation of things and pinch these plants now, therefore they can continue to grow vegetatively, but they're going to bloom in the fall whether they're on a four-inch stem or a four-foot stem. And if Clara Curtis is on a four-foot stem, her flower, her plant is going to be over here, and her flower is going to be over there on top of something else. So that's another reason we pinch them is to keep them kind of in order with themselves. Um, well, and 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 Danny, I got to tell you that you're right. There, but but her isn't spelled H-U-R either. So it's no hemicanes. I mean, he's right, but there's no hurricanes either. Just one of those things. I'm. As we move into this understanding of different ways of expressing the gender, you know, I, I, I know a little bit of Spanish. I recognize that in other languages, especially the Romance languages, every word has some gender attached to it, okay? Nino is a boy child, Nina is a girl child, that kind of thing. But in our language, we don't do that because our language is such a mishmash of other languages that come into English. So therefore, we have to kind of put them in a little bit more perspective. But I'm, I'm absolutely convinced, and will say so forever, that y'all was invented by people that didn't know what to call anybody. Okay, <laughs> So y'all over there. And we don't say you guys because that's guys. We don't say you people because that's really kind of angry, you know, that has a different connotation to it. But if I say, hey, y'all, you know I'm talking to everybody that's in vision and probably the ones that are in sight of somebody else because it all it all laps over everything else. And one person speaking like this, when I say, hey, y'all, you know that I'm not talking to one person. I'm talking to you individually as a person, but I'm talking to everybody. That's why y'all is so popular, I think. Interesting. Oh, dear. Um, there's the the question of what insects come to us in the summertime. We really do have quite a few, uh, and there's there's a few that few to talk about as we move on through this particular year. Um, I have seen the pinhole damage that is is sometimes sometimes gardening is a matter of diagnosis by re, the reverse process. 
All right, we do some things by the process of elimination. If we go out and we see pinholes in the leaves of a plant, and we investigate that plant, we look at all the ones around it, and we do not see anything causing us a problem, we get out our magnifying lens and we look and we realize that these are little stipples, that it looks like somebody took a pin and poked into the leaf and made all these little um, impressions. Well, you can't see it, and it's there. It's probably flea beetles, and that's not because I think flea beetles do everything. It's because that's how absolutely elusive the creatures are. There are other situations that that can be um, there, but it's it's very much the case that we're gonna we're gonna look at them straightforwardly <laughs> and try and take them on that way. I have to say that I think the hydrangeas are aging more beautifully this year than they ever have. I don't know why that is, and I don't I don't really know. Uh, we've talked about how wild the colors have been. People all across the South have been posting up and putting up pictures, and the, the Garden Mama group on Facebook is no exception, but they're everywhere. Pink and blue are not as pink and blue. There might be some lavenders. There might be some pink and blue as mine are. One bush is one thing and one's the other. They shouldn't be different colors, but they are. And I think that what we're looking at is just something that we need to just celebrate instead of trying to figure out what it's about, okay? I want to celebrate a little bit of summer. What do you think? Y'all ready for this one? It's time. This is Weekend Gardening. But tonight it's different world. Go out and find a girl. Come on, come on and dance all night. Despite the heat, it'll be all right. And babe, don't you know it's a pity the days can't be like the nights in the summer. In the city, in the summer, in the city. In the city, dressed so fine and looking so pretty. Cool cat looking for a kitty, gonna look in every corner of the city. Till I'm wheezing like a bus stop, running up the stairs, gonna meet you on the rooftop. But tonight it's a different world. Go out and find a girl. Come on, come on, if that's all night. Just like the heat, it'll be alright. And babe, don't you know it's a pity the days can't be like the night. There's not a lot that's free in life. I mean, it calls to bring you into this world, and when you leave it, and everything in between. Well, there is something free and valuable to your well-being, and that's for you to call 811 before you dig, pull stumps, erect a mailbox, dig a post, or start a garden. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. Your business may not be a Fortune 500 company yet. You've worked hard to grow your business to where it is today, but are the manual processes that worked when you were smaller now eating into your man hours? As an iSolve network provider, MWG Employer Services can help you save time and money by streamlining the processes of administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits, as well as training your personnel to efficiently manage your human capital through one platform. Want to find out more? Visit MWGEmployerServices.com. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Green Home AC Systems. <laughs> Are you feeling it? <sighs> Green. The new degree of comfort. 
No Drip Roofing and Construction. The name says it all. All types of roofing and construction. Your certified, certainteed shingle installer. Family owned and operated for over 20 years here in the Metro. No Drip Roofing and Construction. 601-371-1051. Halito, this summer, July 14th through the 17th, the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians invite you to the 71st edition of the Choctaw Indian Fair. Come and experience Choctaw foods, traditional music, dances, and visit the Arts and Crafts Pavilion for exquisite art, Native American jewelry, Choctaw basketry, and so much more. Don't miss popular midway rides, nightly concerts under the stars, and the granddaddy of all field sports, Choctaw Stickball. The Choctaw Indian Fair is back. For more information, visit us online at ChoctawIndianFair.com and like us on Facebook. Hope to see you there. Hatch a piece, Lechke. Garden Mama here for Lakeland Yard and Garden. Now is the time to get yourself to Lakeland Yard and Garden for the largest selection of patio furniture, outdoor-indoor living areas, umbrellas, replacement cushions, and beautiful fountains and stepping stones. You'll even find Komodo Joe grills and collegiate gift items. The expert staff members at Lakeland Yard and Garden will be happy to guide you through their large nursery stock of bedding plants, perennials, tropicals, and more. While you're there, be sure to get your topsoil or mulch sold by the bag or in bulk. Lakeland Yard and Garden even offers local delivery. Lakeland Yard and Garden, growing your way and serving you for over 40 years. Stop by or call today, located at Lakeland Drive and Airport Road, 601-939-7304, online at lakelandyardandgarden.com. Listen to your garden mama now. It's Lakeland Yard and Garden Center for all your gardening needs and a whole lot more. I'm here with Alex Murray of Auto Innovation. At Auto Innovation, we want to change your car buying experience. When you're in the market for a quality pre-owned vehicle, please come see us. We want to make friends, not just customers. All eligible vehicles are inspected by a Master Tech mechanic and come with a limited powertrain warranty on us. We are located on Highway 51 in Ridgeland. Come by and see us or check out our inventory online at autoinnovation.net. Let us change your car buying experience. Auto Innovation, Highway 51 in Ridgeland. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Fresh Gulf Shrimp. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Fresh Gulf Oysters. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Your Fresh Seafood Headquarters. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Highway 51 in Ridgeland, just past Lake Harbor Drive. a backup singer. I don't think Paul Simon's hiring, but I, I gotta tell you, if you put the backup singers going ooh in the first 12 bars of your tune, you know you've got good backup singers. <laughs> Mr. Simon has always been one to bring out the best in everybody around him, I do believe. Welcome into Weekend Gardening, 888 is the Super Talk call line, 601-879-4395 is, of course, the C Spire text line. Y'all are burning it up. Um, we're, we're discussing y'all and uh, several other things in here, <laughs> which are kind of not garden-related, except that unless we're yelling at our plants, and in some cases we are. I, I had no idea, speaking of plants, 
I love primulas. Primulas are not something that I can grow very well in Zone 8, where I live at the present time, in a humid Zone 8. But primroses and primulas and that whole group of plants, which we consider some of them alpine, some of them are not, but they're beautiful flowers, and you've certainly seen them just as the the flowers themselves, or you may have even seen the plants um, in, in occasional situations. But I really thought this was interesting. I thought I knew a few things about them, but I don't. The University of Cambridge, though, is enlightening me. I I knew I knew that there was I knew that there was a thing about primulas and flavonoids. All right, we understand about flavonoids. We think about them in terms of their antioxidant properties and their ability to boost immune systems and all those things because we look for them in in other plant materials that we eat. But there's one of them that they have discovered now exactly that they thought that that was part of their process, but it's not. This one actually. If you've ever seen a grandfather cactus that just has those tiny, tiny hairs on it, those hairs are small, but the hairs on this plant are much tinier. For example, a, a human hair is about 75 microns thick. All right, your, your hair. Mine's a little thinner than that, but average hair, okay? This particular fine wool on the Dionysia is only one or two microns thick instead of the 75 of our hair. So that's how tiny it is, how thin it is. And it really does work. Well, the reason they're studying it is because it really does work like Spider-Man. It shoots out of adapted cells on the leaf, which is crazy because ordinarily such a puncture in a leaf would leave it dehydrated or do something else to it. It wouldn't. It would be invasive. It would not be an opportunity to send out hair. And in this case, that's exactly what it does. This is one that's um, naturally occurring in Turkmenistan and in the northeastern parts of Iran, through the mountains of Afghanistan and all the way over to Pakistan. So there, there. It's this is. I just love this, and this might be today's word, is woolly. Farina. That's what this is called. Now, y'all can figure that one out for me because I don't know, but it's about it being a flavonoid. It's about it being wool and, and it actually being a hair. It's really beautiful. University of Cambridge. What interesting research. Um, Brian says, apparently, I, I was a typhoon. <laughs> I was never, ever been a hurricane, but I was a typhoon once. Um, the, the, the storm passed south of Okinawa and struck central Taiwan. I'm sorry about that. I've always been fascinated by this because my mother's name was Audrey, and when I was a child, one of the very first hurricanes I remember was Audrey. Um, We remember Betsy, too, from my childhood. But those are really old names, and and it, it just, since I didn't ever meet anybody else named Audrey, I always thought, well, maybe there's hope for Nellie. (laughs) There's a chance. At least, at least I was a typhoon. I like that. I kind of like the Pacific Ocean anyway. Speaking of water, my goodness, I, I have only heard once from, and it was before the pandemic, so I haven't been there to see about anything, but we do have oyster farming going on um, on the coast of Mississippi, as you all probably were aware. If you weren't, you should be. But what happens when we farm oysters, of course, like anything else, the pristine quality of their environment has got to be maintained and has got to be really paid attention to from every level. Indeed, Portland State University, um, speaking of that heat wave, my goodness, I wonder what that's going to do to their terrible, their situation there. A recent study in the uh, at the water outside the wastewater treatment facilities, you know, the water goes in and it's supposed to be clean when it comes out, and for the most part it is, but what they have learned is 
that there are, in fact, low levels of pharmaceuticals. We hear about this every now and then, and personal care products. But what we're finding is we're finding this out because of oysters. They have deployed the oysters. That's right. They have put the oysters in an experiment in different distances from the wastewater plant to determine where, how far out it takes before the chemicals are no longer part of the environment. And indeed, the oysters closer up to the wastewater plants don't do as well as the ones that are farther away. Of the 63 compounds that they tested for, the researchers found only six of them in the oysters. <laughs> I think this is pretty interesting. You know how rainy and humid and, and, and kind of chilly it usually is in the Portland area? People usually don't go barefoot that much. Two pharmaceuticals detected were um, one of the mi- one, a micronazole, an over-the-counter drug for fungal infections like athlete's foot, and a veterinary chemical used in livestock. Okay, that's obviously persists through the food chain. As expected, they were they were closer, higher concentrations near the wastewater plants, and the oysters didn't like it too much either. Oh, my goodness. Trey's sending tomato pictures. Now we all have to be jealous. I'm very jealous. That's beautiful. Lovely table full. Oh, my goodness. I hope yours are doing as well. I'm, I have a few. I have, I'm not raising a lot of tomatoes this year, but I do have a few of my favorite varieties going, and they look pretty good. I'm, I'm worrying about basil right now. Basil is something that, generally speaking, we plant in the spring, and we cultivate it oftentimes in company with tomatoes because it is a good companion for them and because we often pick them at the same time. You know, it's everything from pizza sauce to fresh salads have involved both tomatoes and basil in them. But let's face it, not everything happens when it's supposed to happen in the garden, and a lot of what we do is really making up for that, you know, trying to put things right. In this particular case, um, I, I bought an overplanted um, basil plant. And yes, I do grow some from seed, but this one looked so good and I needed basil that day and I was where I could buy it, so I bought it. And I've been eating off of it ever since while the other little plants were growing. Well, this one finally got to where it couldn't stand it anymore and started sending roots out the bottom of its pot and clearly I had left it in there too long. So I decided I would have to separate it. This was only last week. And when I separated it, it turns out that in that four-inch pot there were actually five basil plants, which I hadn't really paid attention to because they were close together, and I was just taking leaves off the top and pinching it and watching it, you know, go, go get bigger and smaller as I was involved in eating it. So I've separated the plants. That was easy. You have to be careful. You don't want to rip roots apart. But in the case of plants that are grown like the basil is, and most plants that you buy in a a container like that that transplanted vegetables, uh, most of them have a pretty loose mix because they're intended to be watered a whole lot. And you don't they, they don't want to put them in a heavy soil also because they're going to have to ship them from place to place. So it's a lightweight soil that can be watered and needs to be watered often. But that means also that when they the roots get growing, it completely falls apart easily. So I took the plants out of the pot, separated them, took off all the leaves that I could to get down to just a stem and about four leaves on each one little bitty leaves in some cases, and I have put them into a container that has, uh, I can't even remember, some other herbs growing in it. Well, this is the big deal. Can I keep it alive through the summer? So I started out in a place where it had 
very little sunlight directly just so that the plants could begin to get started. When I saw that they did not um, decide to wilt out and croak on me overnight, first couple of nights, then I fertilized a little bit, and I, I saw some new growth this morning. I'm looking forward to that. But it's not – the reason that we have planting times is because those are optimum, and it is a good idea to try and do that. But when you can't, I don't want you to give up. When things don't work out at the timing in the timing that was is ideal, this stuff's not – these are not the Ten Commandments. These are garden ideas, all right? These are not in stone, literally. So I want you to to feel that and understand it. Um, Let me see now. Let's talk about peaches for a moment. Greg's in Jasper County. He's spraying with a peach tree, fungicide, pesticide, but he's still got brown spot. Three years ago, he got brown spot just before the peaches ripened, and they all mummified on the tree. Um, I'm thinking this is more a case of timing than product in terms of spraying. So I would encourage you to... Read the label again and see what's off, because the the reason that peaches get brown spot, you know, is usually because um, they they've been assaulted by the insect that causes the hole in the fruit, and then that allows the fungus to develop and so forth and so on. But if your sprays are applied at the right time, and yes, sometimes when in a rainy season you have to go back and spray again, I'm I'm not sure. But because it is already happening to you, I want to encourage you to do a great job of garden sanitation. You said that this happened three years ago, and you're, you're still not able to overcome it entirely. Part of that goes to getting rid of all of this and not composting it, the, the materials themselves. It also, of course, goes to making sure that you keep the area around that peach tree very clean, Lawn is not a good idea up under a peach tree. Mulch is a better idea, or very little, very little of either one. So that's the other thing to do. And if you can possibly do so, plant another peach tree that is not as susceptible to the problems, not because it'll solve this one's problems, but because it will give you another one to work with. So um, the, the, I don't have great ideas about it. Peach, peach brown spot is generally controlled by sprays. It also takes garden sanitation to do it, and sometimes it is variety-related, okay? So all of those things work together. Since it started three years ago, though, I have a feeling that yours is more a matter of the the spray times and the sanitation. And, And if you don't prune it in January, that's another problem, okay? I know it takes a lot to grow peaches. That's one of the reasons why we're some of us are very happy to wait for them to come in at the store or in the at the farmer's market. We appreciate all of y'all who can do all that. I have had uh, many, many blueberries. There's some in the freezer now. There's been muffins. There's been giveaways. It's. I have a couple of friends that really enjoy getting a phone call from me sometime in June that says, stop by this afternoon on your way home from work. I have a bag of blueberries to give you. <laughs> Those are always appreciated. Um, and luckily for me, those people generally come back with something else, and, and we get to share stuff together. I've been thinking about orange, though, in addition to blue. I'm I'm not growing an orange tree by any means, but I do have a very beautiful lemon tree, and, and, and it it actually didn't make any fruit, but it sure is healthy and happy. Um, I ended up getting like two fruit, didn't make much fruit at all. But I've been thinking about why it is that I'm so fond of Louisiana sweet oranges. 
they're not in the market. You have to get them. You have to go there to get them. So that's one of the things. It's, it's such a superior prize in that regard for me. But in the same way that the tomatoes taste better if you're in Crystal Springs today at the Tomato Festival, um, the good morning, how y'all doing? The, the tomatoes taste better, you know, there. It's the same as true. The variety Louisiana sweet tastes better when you buy it right there off the tree. Um, but orange itself as a color has really given a lot of us a lot of fun. It, it's a it's a it's a good color. I didn't really like it. I only ever knew about either orange orange or neon orange, and I certainly always have enjoyed eating oranges, but it just wasn't a color that seemed too much. To, it didn't resonate with me, and now it does. Um, the darker oranges, like pumpkin, and I also have uh, an orange um, coneflower right now that's just beautiful. We associate these things with the earth. They help to, the the color helps to ground the design and helps to make us feel confidence. But they're also a little bit calming. I think about lantanas and uh, I think about orange popsicles, you know, <laughs> things like that, that are very soothing and calming. That's really the shade that I associate with the Netherlands and the confidence of the Dutch people. Now, of course, you realize that that's their, that the, the, the orange color comes from William of Orange. It's a bunch of history that you probably don't want me to talk to you about today. But it has been a color that really does, um, really does grab you and welcome you in. And I think that that's part of why we enjoy particular colors, because they have specific uses. For example, if we do red and we're a restaurateur, then we want those tables to turn over because people will turn over more quickly in a red environment than they will in an environment that is, say, pastel pink. That's the truth. I'm not kidding. You can look up the stats. You can also look up design. Why is McDonald's red and yellow? Well, that's so they can serve 1.5 gazillion burgers like they say on their signs. <laughs> and it works, apparently. I don't, I don't want a red kitchen. But I like to visit one every now and then. Hey, now, you want to visit with me? Come on, Ringo, take us out of here. This is Weekend Gardening. To tell us what to do. If you need a contractor to help rebuild your home after a disaster, don't get scammed. Go licensed. Be skeptical about door-to-door -door offers of repair services. Ask friends and family for recommendations of contractors that they've used. Get at least three bids and never pay in cash. Don't make a bad situation worse. Protect yourself and your family after disaster strikes. Go licensed. For more information, visit our website at www.msboc.us. Your business may be classified as small to mid-size, but you view it as an empire and naturally want it to succeed. Do you have the proper tools in place to efficiently utilize the staff who handles administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits? Without changing current processes and proper training, payroll technology alone cannot solve these problems. By utilizing the iSolve platform, MWG Employer Services can create new processes and properly train your staff to maximize the efficiency of this technology. For more information, visit MWGEmployerServices.com. 
I'm Andy Gibson, your Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce. Come shop the freshest locally grown fruits and vegetables, meats, and other farm-raised products at the Mississippi Farmer's Market every Saturday from 8 to 1. While there, you can grab breakfast or lunch at the City Limits Cafe and shop our new Genuine Mississippi store for unique items made right here in Mississippi. The store is also open weekdays 11 to 1 every day. All this at the Mississippi Farmer's Market, 929 High Street in Jackson, right near the fairgrounds. Y'all come see us. Hey, this is Jimmy Primos at the range in Gluckstadt. Right now, we're offering great specials on memberships to our state-of-the-art indoor shooting range. Join now and get your first month free. While you're here, check out our full-service gunsmithing department. We offer everything from professional gun cleaning, Cerakoting, camo application, accurizing, to custom rifle builds. We hope to see you soon. You might even get to meet my wife, Jane. That'll be a real trip. Does your body hurt? Have you tried unsuccessful treatments for plantar fasciitis, tennis elbow, shoulder pain, or IT band? Innovative Health Clinic, formerly Acoustic Wave Treatment Center, offers an affordable non-surgical solution through acoustic wave therapy. The beneficial effects of acoustic wave therapy are often experienced after only one or two treatments. The therapy eliminates pain and restores mobility, improving your quality of life. Schedule your appointment at 601-944-5585 or online at InnovativeHealthClinic.net. Now taking same-day appointments. This hour of weekend gardening is brought to you locally in part by The Tractor Store, your Mahindra dealer on Highway 49 South in Richland. The Tractor Store is proud to sell Mahindra, the world's number one tractor. The Tractor Store, your farm and lawn equipment destination. Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events, but thanks to Two Men in a Truck Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need, a professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress. Let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twomenandatruck.com for a free, no-obligation estimate. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. The wings, the chicken tenders and bites, fried or grilled, and the best specialty pizzas in the metro. Call 769-208-8283. That's 769-208-8283. 769-208-8283. Garden Mama here to ask, what about your trees? Hmm? Everybody like me who has big trees in their landscape needs a tree service, and mine is Matthew's Tree Service, the metro area's oldest residential tree service. They're licensed, insured, and ready to consult with you about damaged trees and healthy ones, too. Listen to your mama now and call Matthew's for free estimates in the greater Jackson metro area. Call 601-316-8584. Matthew's Tree Service. You know, we don't just garden on Saturdays, but we do seem to do an awful lot of gardening on Saturdays. That's why Weekend Gardening has the opportunity to join you, hear about what you're up to, and look at your photographs, thankfully, here on the C Spire text line. Um, when to cut peaches back? That's a good question. <coughs> Excuse me. Cut them back in January. If a mature peach tree has never been pruned, 
you really don't want to do anything except take out any dead or, da or damaged branches and give yourself a chance to tip prune the other branches that are remaining so that they can be more encouraged to flower. But it, we also have the issue of if it's a tree in production, it will be pruned each January because what we're trying to do again is take out the dead and the dying parts, but we also want to make sure that sunlight is coming in. That's why if you drive by um, if you drive by a, a peach orchard, you're going to recognize that they're peach trees, not just because they have pink blooms in the summertime, but because they're all pruned into a really open vase shape. That The idea of that is to bring the sunlight in to all of the branches so that all of them can produce peaches. And that is done in January. If you've not, if that, if, but if the tree, tree has not been pruned that way, it's very hard to do that to one that is completely mature. So, Depends on the tree, but the time to do it is January. Okay? Okay. Let's see what else. Um, oh, what's eating this bald cypress? My goodness. Um, Tracy's in past Christian. Well, there are four, they're really, they're, they're basically four things that will eat a bald cypress. And, and usually they don't eat enough to get to as naked as this picture is. But they have webworms and they have bagworms. And sometimes, those can get so damaged that they don't have any opportunity to recover. The leaves will fall off. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm sorry, I've inhaled something this morning. I apologize. He'll catch on in a minute that he needs to turn off my microphone when I go to cough. <laughs> Luckily, that doesn't happen too often, but y'all are hearing live radio this morning. Um, but there's also a, a leaf beetle that can defoliate that tree. And unfortunately, there's also mites that can defoliate that tree, and they're the ones that you really wouldn't see any of. So I would inspect the tree for any kind of webbing. Sometimes those big webworm things that we associate with webworms don't actually get made in a situation like this where they've eaten all the leaves off. But bagworms sometimes can be smaller. You know, the little bags that are about an inch or two long can be missed, and they can do it not as likely. The mites are almost invisible, but you will see webs along the branches sometimes when they get a big population. And the beetles themselves are a little bit different problem. I'd be real surprised. That's when he'll, he will also learn quickly that he needs to talk when I can't talk. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Um... Anyway, talking about bald cypress trees, they are one of the most beautiful trees that we have, and it's unusual to see one with all of its leaves off. So I would definitely get out there and take a look um, and see what you can find in the way of the remains of the insect that has taken this problem down. Because there's not really there's not really any way for me to tell you what it is without being there and seeing it. But those are four possibilities. Um, Andrea Madison says, good morning, thank you, it's nice to hear from you. She's got those brown spots on the zinnia leaves. Did I say to spray the top and bottom? Yeah, I did. You got a couple of alternatives. Um, really, the probably the most common one that we hear all people all the time using is that they'll use neem on zinnias. I don't know that that's really the m most effective way to approach this, and that's because... 
if it's a really hot day and the leaves are already kind of damaged, neem can do some more damage to them. Um, it, we, we need to read the labels really carefully on that. And I also want to encourage any of you who use neem in, in the summertime, I don't use much neem in the summertime, but when I do, I use it in a very fine mist. And I mean super fine mist. Adjust the nozzle of your sprayer. This is where you need a, a sprayer that you can make, you know, your own pump-up sprayer that you can make those kind of adjustments to in the nozzle. Um, big drops are, are going to be much harder for the plant to absorb. Okay? So do that that way. Let's see. Um, Mabel's in Jackson. Welcome in, Mabel. What's going on? What you doing today? Oh, going to try to find some Plants that I could plant in pots like pebbles, and is it time for them? And uh, I, I bet it is. I'm, I have not been. Um, I'm, I'm going out to buy some bags of mulch today, but I have not been out uh, in looking at vegetable racks. But I'll bet you that there's peppers. Okay, uh, where are you gonna get your mulch at? Because I need some to go in some pots. Because. Well, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the mulches that are sold, that are made um, by our friends in Brookhaven. And so I will always be looking for Phillips Bark Processing as the brand name. It won't be on the front of the bag. It'll be on the back of the bag because they do different lines of stuff. But um, I, there are a couple of different ones. Gardenese is one of the names that I look for. Um, and they do a soil conditioner type mulch that I, I, I use in my flower pots that I think is great. So that's the one that I would look. It's called soil conditioner, but it's basically just small pieces of mulch. For And I think it works really well in containers. But you can get them, or as to where you get them, um, a lot of places have different mulches, and I, I just honestly don't, you know, I, I go to Lakeland sometimes. I go to the big box stores sometimes. Uh, if I was looking for a particular plant, I would be going to probably to a particular nursery, maybe Garden Works or, or out to Hutto's even. All this is in the Jackson area. So what I'm talking to you about is in your area, go to the different sorts of nurseries that are there and shop for your plants. I'm telling Mabel because she's in Jackson where she should go. But for the rest of y'all listening, because Mabel and I do like to be listened to, <laughs> we appreciate y'all listening in on our conversation. Go to You can go to the big box. You you may find a rack of bonnie plants, for example, at Lowe's, but you can also go to a local garden center, and they'll probably have them too. Okay. Okay. okay well, let me ask you one more thing. Sure. My my uh, knockout rose is just going all all kind of direction, but what I want it to be is going to the side. Is and I don't know is is it possible for me to cut it back? Oh not? yeah, you can prune knockouts now. I wouldn't take off too much, but if for if for instance if the branches two feet long going one direction you could take off six inches of it mm. that's okay even it up going, even it up a little bit <laughs> yeah because yeah. it's just going all wild in the middle is not doing anything you know hmm. you know well and, and cutting the other pieces back will help that middle send some more up from the bottom yeah okay then we're just going to whack it off like i want yep i, mean, I would I would. I, I went out yesterday and chopped on a couple of things that probably, if I looked it up in the book, I know that the time to do it is after each bloom and that kind of thing, but I've got a couple of roses that were just overgrown, and they, they were blooming, but I went ahead and cut them back. So I don't have any problem with you doing that. There's no flowers on it right now. Good. Go ahead and prune it and then fertilize it, and off it'll go. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. Uh -huh. Good to hear from you today. Tell your daughter hey, too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See, 
right when the time is tight, we will uh, we'll try and get a question that's on the other phone line if he can't hold on or call back. That's great because we love having you. Lots of uh, questions, of course. The, the, if not neem, Andrea says, what about a copper fungicide? I would actually be looking for something with sulfur, but read that label on the copper, and if it can be used in the heat, you might want to consider it. We'll talk about that some more and talk about this, that, and the other thing. But right now, folks, the time is tight, and Booker T has got to take us from here to there. Come on, get on the train with me. This is Weekend Gardening. There's not a lot that's free in life. I mean, it costs to bring you into this world, and when you leave it, and everything in between. Well, there is something free and valuable to your well-being, and that's for you to call 811 before you dig, pull stumps, erect a mailbox, dig a post, or start a garden. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. Do you want that dream job? Do you need the right skills and credentials to get there? Did you know more than 2,000 students have taken advantage of the MyBest program for free? Contact your local community college to learn more about the MyBest program. Take charge of your life and make your dreams a reality by attending a Mississippi community college. I'm Dr. Andrea Mayfield, Executive Director of the Mississippi Community College Board. Funding for this ad provided by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. I'm one of thousands of women with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC. Which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body. I'm living in the moment and taking Ibrand's Popocyclib. Ibrand's 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for postmenopausal women or for men with HR positive, HER2 negative MBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Be in your moment. Ask your doctor about Ibrands and visit Ibrands.com. Ibrands may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrands may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrands, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson, Super Talk Mississippi, powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros, 601-345-8090. I'm Amy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. With experts warning that the emerging Delta variant may be more infectious, state epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers explains that having a large amount of the population unvaccinated could have dire consequences. Because of that increased infectiousness, not only can it be transmitted to those individuals who are unvaccinated, but it can also be transmitted to folks who are fully vaccinated, who may not be completely protected. 
from the vaccine or maybe in congregate settings where their exposure rises to a higher level. And keeping drugs out of Mississippi's prisons is a challenge. As Corrections Commissioner Burl Kane explains, it's a battle every day. We just bought a narcotic and a cell phone dog. We'll buy two more because we're going to be really, really chasing cell phones in our prison because that's how they move the things around and so forth. So we really have fighting that in the prison. We shouldn't let drugs be available for them to serve their addiction. I'm Andy Davis. This is for those who always show they care. Who told their kids everyone 12 and older is eligible for a COVID vaccine. Those who explain to their cousins that vaccines prevent nearly 100% of hospitalizations and deaths from COVID-19. This is for the ones protecting those they love. Thank you. We can do this. Find vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome to Mike Drop, the show where Mississippi Farm Bureau President Mike McCormick drops some helpful knowledge. Did you know that one out of four jobs in the state depends on agriculture? That's why we started the Mississippi Ag in the Classroom. It's a school program helping grades K-12 through acquire broader knowledge about agriculture and how it impacts them. It's great to see them learn and get excited about where their food and clothes come from. Visit your Farm Bureau friends and neighbors at your county office or sign up online today at msfb.org. You can bet the farm on it. Beef prices are skyrocketing and labor is in short supply. Andy Berry with the Mississippi Cattlemen's Association explains why it's creating a bottleneck effect. Unions are causing the chain speed to slow down, meaning not as many cattle are able to be harvested during the day. And then just getting folks to show up in general, they're having to kind of not work as hard on Saturdays to make up some of this capacity. So you're seeing a, a significant reduction in beef processing on a weekly basis at mm. a time when demand is through the roof for that product. And the Mississippi burning case files are now available for public viewing. Photos and records documenting the 1964 murders of civil rights activists James Cheney, Andrew Goodman, and Michael Schwarter have been turned over to the Mississippi Department of Archives and History. It was 2005 before Edgar Ray Killen was convicted in the case. The material can be viewed at no charge at the William Winter Archives and History Building in Jackson. For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Andy Davis. With Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. In the College World Series on Friday, Vanderbilt defeated North Carolina State 3-1 to to force what was going to be a 1 o'clock winner go to the College World Series final game between the two. However, Vanderbilt will advance to the College World Series finals as the NCAA has declared North Carolina State unable to continue due to COVID protocol. And after the Vanderbilt NC State game pushed the Mississippi State-Texas game back 55 minutes to start, the two teams between the Longhorns and the Bulldogs battled to the top of the ninth inning. The Longhorns took an 8-5 lead after Mississippi State tied the game 5-5 in the bottom of the eighth. And then the rains came down, forcing a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay until 1.05 a.m. when the game resumed. And Texas held on to win 8-5, so the same two teams will play again tonight, 6 o'clock, first pitch, 5.30 airtime on the MSU Baseball Network. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. Your business may not be a Fortune 500 company yet. 
You've worked hard to grow your business to where it is today, but are the manual processes that worked when you were smaller now eating into your man hours? As an iSolve network provider, MWG Employer Services can help you save time and money by streamlining the processes of administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits, as well as training your personnel to efficiently manage your human capital through one platform. Want to find out more? Visit MWGEmployerServices.com. Typically, we here at Keep Mississippi Beautiful like to share positive news with you. But not today. Litter is on the rise in our state, and we need your help. Please put trash in its proper place and make sure you aren't accidentally littering items from the back of your truck. Protect the road, secure your load, because trash blows. Do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. Major League Baseball held their first draft combine this past week at the USA Baseball Complex in Cary, North Carolina. Among the participants was Madison Central's outfielder right-hander Braden Montgomery. They took part in on-field activities that will culminate this weekend with a pair of tournaments for the high school players. And Team Red will play Team Blue at noon today, and then Team Navy will take on Team Gray at 4 o'clock in the Major League Baseball draft combine at North Carolina. And upcoming in July will be the Major League Baseball draft and some of the players that will be picked out of Mississippi could be picked out of Mississippi. Gunnar Hoagland and Doug Nikhazy from Ole Miss, Will Badnar, Christian McLeod, Tanner Allen, and Eric Sarantola from Mississippi State. Southern Mrs. Reed Trimble could also be called out in the Major League draft starting on July the 11th. I'm Dixon Williams and this is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. This is Weekend Gardening, your place for green news, crazy weird old music, and frankly, the most interesting garden conversations that are had anywhere Anywhere, anywhere. Okay, that's it. We're just the top of the top of the heap here. Talking about zinnia leaf spots, um, and yes, indeed, Andrea's not alone. We in in wet springs, particularly in crowded conditions, um, in maybe less than full sun, we we see zinnias get leaf spots, and sometimes even when everything's perfect, we still see them. So the question is, what kind of leaf spot is it? Well, we don't know, but. Three things can cause it, two fungus, one bacteria. Generally speaking, she's right. The copper fungicide is a real good way to go if, because she has it. Um, if you didn't have it, I would say go for a, a garden dust because it would be less expensive for you for, to, to do um, a garden dust of some something with sulfur in it. Okay? Okay. That's the neem is okay if the temperatures are all right. Is uh, Lawrence still with us? Good morning, Lawrence. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Uh, Nelly, yes, sir. I've got a some trees, a couple of trees that I got from the forestry department, and at the time they couldn't, they didn't know which they were. They said they're either plum or or peach. Well, this tree looks like a peach tree in a lot of ways. The leaves are like peaches. It has white blossoms, and the ends of the branches are spiny, almost like a 
like a thorn. Hmm. Uh, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> I've got two of them. They're I'm, I'm kind of stumped myself. So it, does it, and it blooms before the leaves come on. Yeah. Okay. So we would we would feel like it was in that stone fruit group in that case. Um, I don't know. We're going to throw this one out here, and I'm also going to give you my email so that you can go take a picture of it and send it to me during the week, and I can look it up for you. Mama on air at yahoo.com. M a m a on air at yahoo.com. Okay, because I don't know what that is. (laughs) Well, I'll send you. I'll send you pictures. Thank you, thank you. I look forward to it because it's. I might want one. It sounds interesting. (laughs) Thank you, sir. (laughs) Oh my goodness! You never know about these things, you know. Some and I and I like that they were honest and said we don't really know what this one is. It's a peach or a plum, but I don't. The 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 proliferations on the ends of the branches has got me kind of stumped. I gotta figure this one out. Alicia, you're in North Mississippi today. What's going on with your spirea? Uh, they just, I had them like for a couple of years and they were doing fine and they bloomed and now they've just turned brown. One of them has a green thing, uh, thing in it still. I'm not sure if I should just chop it all back and see mm-hmm. what happens or what could have caused this. Okay. Um, do you know what kind of spirea it is? Uh, I don't have the tag with me right now. Do they bloom white in the springtime, or do they bloom pink in the summer? No. Okay, okay. So that's the more old-timey, as we say, um, more like bridal wreath or one of those types of spireas. How far north are you in Mississippi? Are you still in Zone 8, or are you in Zone 7? Well, uh, I'm not real sure. I'm... uh, 80 miles south of Memphis. Okay, well, you're, you're, you wouldn't be sure because it kind of depends on which road you're on. <laughs> you're right on the border of those two zones. <laughs> so I'm going to say they got damaged by winter because they can occasionally get damaged by winter in that, that temperature range that y'all had, y'all suffered, <laughs> that we all suffered through, but y'all suffered through more of it. And since it, you've got some green, I'm going to say, yeah, cut back everything else, and let's see if we can get that thing to sprout and give you some new growth. Um, not every shrub dies from cold damage. And since yours has tried to make the recovery, I'm going to say, let's give it some encouragement. Cut everything else back that's dead. You know, you rub your, your thumbnail on it, on the on the branch, and if it's even at the bottom, if it's still brown, brown, cut it off. If, if it's green, though, leave that one, you know, and, and cut it down to where it is green. And let that, let's see if it can't come back and give us some new growth. Be I nice if it could more. recover. Sure. Uh, so I had a gardenia bush that I thought that the, <laughs> as we call it, apocalypse killed. But I went, I kept, went out there and I thought, well, I'm going to yank it up and just get rid of it, you know, but it wouldn't yank up. And then when I started looking down at the bottom, it was all green, mm-hmm. but it's got a bunch of what looks like dead stuff at the top, but when I try to break it, it doesn't break. Mm-hmm. So should I toss that dead looking stuff? Yeah, that's another case though for doing that scratch test. If it's green underneath the brown bark, it, it is alive. I would still top prune it and, you know, take a few inches off to try and encourage it. But if it's brown, brown, cut that down and let the rest of it come on. And, and get, it's it's going to take a little while to recover. But on the other hand, it's not dead, <laughs> so that's good. And so my question is, and so you know, I'm always wanting to try to hurry up and medicate something. So 
should I put maybe like Miracle Grow or something on these plants to um, try to help? Miracle Grow will be helpful for a minute. I mean, you know, it's a real short, short-acting fertilizer. If you have some shrub food, they would appreciate that more. You know, something granular that you would work into the soil around the plants. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, I tell you what, I'd like to be going that 80 miles to Memphis today. That'd be a nice ride. Be pretty for it today, I think. A couple of things that came in on the text line. Um, Looking at beautiful, beautiful lilies. Thank you for sending me those pictures. That's gorgeous. Kathy and Madison is about to plant angel trumpets. Um, you know, here's the thing. She wants to know whether to put them in a container or in the ground. If you have a south-facing spot that has well-drained soil, doesn't need, doesn't have a bunch of other plants around it, and doesn't need to be mulched particularly, I'd plant that thing in the ground. Otherwise, I would put it in a container and put the container in the hottest spot of my yard. Here's why. They've got to have warm weather before they sprout in the springtime. So if we've got a hot spot, we got that. I, I, there's a there's a cluster of angel trumpets on Interstate 55 that I've, I watched for years because they literally would be the first ones to bloom because they were out on an edge of something. They were literally in full sun with no help from anything, no shelter, no nothing. And that's really the the prettiest ones. And when you read about them and their native environments, they're usually an exposed plant. What we talk about in the tropics, there's the, in, there's not not every plant in the subtropics and tropics can grow exposed. And this this one can. So I would I'd just make sure that wherever you're putting it, I would put it in somewhere it's going to get full sun, and that the roots, the soil at the bottom of it, are it's going to get hot first. Okay, I have even seen people. No one that we know here, but I've seen people do this further north because they like angel trumpets so much. As soon as it gets to be springtime, they go out and pull the mulch away from them that they've put on to keep them from dying during the winter. And they, they then they put down black plastic mulch to heat the soil up at the base of the plants. That would be a little extreme for us, but I can tell you that that's, the, that's what we're trying to do is create a hot root zone. And that does make a lot of difference. That's another reason why angel trumpets grow so beautifully in big plastic black pots, the ones that you recycle from somewhere. That's really good stuff. Um, let's see. Is an iris plant well, William, this is interesting. William in, is in Greenville. Is an iris plant considered a broadleaf or a grass? Um it's always referred to as having grass like foliage, but it is an herbaceous plant. It is a, a green broadleaf a green herbaceous plant. It is not considered a broadleaf. Um that's a slightly different term. But they're not considered grasses in the way that, uh, say, muley grass or fountain grass or even liriope is considered a grass. But you will always read about iris having grass-like foliage. Uh, so that's, that's about as close as I can get on that one. That's interesting. Broadleaf plants are usually thought of as I better not say that. I'll think about that and, and tell you what, what definition I'm willing to go with on that one. <laughs> Have you ever in your life, my goodness, sometimes things are so obvious and yet we have to do a study to recognize them. 
Did I catch everybody? Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, when we look, go through farm fields and ride through agriculture areas, you can look as far as you can see and it's soybeans, or you look as far as you can see and it's cotton, or you look as far as you can see and it's corn. And that's called monocropping. Your lawn grass is about the closest thing that you come to that at your house because there are thousands of lawn grass plants. That is a monoculture, okay? This particular study was done in Switzerland, but it does apply in what we've always talked about. It, it throws a real serious light on why truck farmers and why gardeners tend to have a high productivity level due to the diversity of their plantings. Monocultures, of course, are what dominates um, the, the whole agriculture world. But we're starting to think about it again. We understand, of course, and if you've ever been in that situation where you watch and the bugs or the insects, we always think about the boll weevil, but they, they just start on one end of the field and they go all the way to the other end and destroy everything. Well, that's because they were all the same plants. And no matter how fast you got out there with an insecticide, you couldn't stay ahead of them. So those are the issues. It's also, however, monoculture is an awful lot easier to take care of if you are, for instance, harvesting or if you are cultivating the area. You can, you know, it's, it's easier to maintain that way, but it's harder in others. But in terms of our desire for higher yields and our need to feed more people off of less space, We've really got to be looking at this between the resistant varieties and uh, the, the, the pesticides that we are already using. We're, the food's getting more expensive all the time. You probably noticed that. That's another reason why this whole push towards mixed culture not only makes sense for a truck farm, but it may make sense for a larger in, endeavor as well. Research has shown us that something more like the meadow model, that is to say a lot of different plants that are not um, intrusive or over, overly aggressive towards one another, but that have a certain amount of compatibility, keep down the numbers of pests because the pests can't start on one end of the field and run to the other end. It's also true that it creates a more difficult situation for harvesting, of course, but in the journal Nature Plants, they have produced this study that is showing us that mixed culture in your in the in the farm bed in the farm plantings farm rows actually does produce a higher yield than the monoculture now all these things are dependent on everything else being the same that is the right variety choice the right care for the plants and those all of those things but it does make a big difference in what we bring to market as they say and how fast it can get there let's see oh my goodness Oh my goodness. <laughs> Trey's got his sister working. She's uh got lots of um it looks like pickles from here. Is that what she's doing? That's beautiful. Send me some of those. Mama on air at yahoo.com. Mama is spelled M A M A on air at yahoo.com. It's a real simple one. Thank you for asking. And Mike has got sunflowers today. That's beautiful. I love it. That one could be a book cover right there. He's liking my orange today. He's pretty sending up um, beautiful orange sunflower and beautiful yellow golden one. I like that that doubled up uh, flower in there. I think some of those some of the sunflowers that we're seeing that are so wild. You know, they'll we're lucky enough to run into one and then 
the next thing you know, we're looking at a, at a flower that has changed a little bit, and then we save the seed from that one so we can continue to grow it. And I think that's where some of these really wild sunflowers have come from. They are so beautiful. Just lovely. Um, Let's see. Hard sour fruit Chickasaw plum. Okay. I don't I know about Chickasaw plum, it just didn't strike me that way. And I also don't know if the Department of Wildlife would be giving that one away. Calling Bill Maley. <laughs> we'll find out though. Maybe it is a Chickasaw plum. We'll find out. Thank you for your input. I always appreciate that. Billy and Clinton. Um, speaking of that, if you ever want to talk about growing some really good fruit. Folks around Clinton grow beautiful, beautiful fruit. Um, just you just you just never know about those things, but they do. It's a particular hotbed of fruit growers over there. In uh, in some places, you know, when we talk about how plants grow, we we wonder when do they how do they know when to germinate. You know, we know about how to test to see if they'll germinate, and we know how to, but, but in nature, there can be cues. There can be light. There can be warmth. In sometimes cases, there can be cold. Sometimes it can be the amount of water. There's just very many different ways that we look at the optimal situation for germination. But a week later, more unpredictability, either a frost or a heat or a drought or something else, could kill them. So how does the plant ensure its survival? If you think about it, you know, plants are, we, we, we human beings have spent a couple of hundred years trying to make our environment slightly more pleasant to live in. Um, that's why when I felt that this particular studio today was on the warm side, I went over and looked because our, our thermostat in the studio always says, please leave this on 70 because of the equipment. I realize that's very low, but this is an industrial situation. We're in a radio studio. But, of course, it was higher than that because somebody yesterday got chilly in the room. And we, we have that ability to manipulate. We human beings have figured this out. But what do plants do? How do plants hedge their beds? Um, we always say in the summertime, you know, you can only take off so many clothes. You can put on more layers in the winter, but there's only a certain point where you have to stay home because you've taken off too many of your clothes. But the variability in germination time can almost be that same sort of thing. How many layers of effort can they put on? How many can they take off? Sometimes the seeds can go dormant, be in the soil forever. I'm thinking now of gripe weed, for example, and some of those other ones that we have seen that, that literally you won't see the weed for years, and then one year the water depth in that bed will get just a bit lower and those seeds will come up. But all of these things are, um, how, how do we get them to survive these terrible things that can happen, you know, to crop failures and one thing and another? So it's really fascinating to me that they're finally studying this, and I'm, I'm thinking it's going to tell us an awful lot about seedlings and emerging seedlings and how to take care of them. It's going to be great. I like that they're doing that work. University of Cambridge, again, they're busy. I don't want to go to school there, don't worry. But if your kid comes and says they're applying, well, you might want to take out a loan because you, you want them to go there if they're good enough to get in. Think about it. All right, now. Yeah, we're spending some time with Booker T today. Yes, I want to be in Memphis today. Okay, you got me. Stick around. This is Weekend Gardening.
ever feel like you are in the dark? Well, with a propane generator, you'll never be in the dark again, at least when the lights go out. Enjoy the comfort and safety of knowing you have a propane generator always ready when the electricity goes out. Propane generators assure you will always have power. Propane-fueled, clean cooking, hot water on demand, warm and consistent heat and power when you need it most. Why would you choose anything else? Propane. Clean American energy. Visit MSPropane.com today. Are you looking for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go licensed. Unlicensed contractors may try to convince you that pulling your own permit can save you money. But they may do shoddy work. Or in some cases, no work at all. Costing you far more in the long run. Protect yourself and your investment by comparing estimates from three licensed contractors. Remember, go licensed. For more information, visit our website at msboc.us. The best made-to-order lunch is right around the corner at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769-208-8283. That's 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. Green Home Solutions is a proud VIP sponsor of The Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Buddy Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon. Garden Mama here for Lakeland Yard and Garden. Now is the time to get yourself to Lakeland Yard and Garden for the largest selection of patio furniture, outdoor indoor living areas, umbrellas, replacement cushions, and beautiful fountains and stepping stones. You'll even find Komodo Joe grills and collegiate gift items. The expert staff members at Lakeland Yard and Garden will be happy to guide you through their large nursery stock of bedding plants, perennials, tropicals, and more. While you're there, be sure to get your topsoil or mulch sold by the bag or in bulk. Lakeland Yard and Garden even offers local delivery. Lakeland Yard and Garden, growing your way and serving you for over 40 years. Stop by or call today, located at Lakeland Drive and Airport Road, 601-939-7304, online at lakelandyardandgarden.com. Listen to your garden mama now. It's Lakeland Yard and Garden Center for all your gardening needs and a whole lot more. One forty-four Tactical Defense in Florence is your one-stop shop for AR-15s, parts, and accessories. They have a certified in-house Cerakote facility, and they offer a one hundred percent lifetime warranty with on-site gunsmiths and master machinists ready to tackle any project you have. They're working day and night to keep up with the demand. Visit one forty-four Tactical and see the changes, and get entered in a drawing for a free Guardian rifle of your choice. One forty-four Tactical Defense in Florence, where custom is our game. In the metro area, the houses talk. Hey, Jan, how's it going today? Hey, Barney. You're not sold yet? No, my shutters need replacing, my floors need unbuckling, my boudoirs need updating. Well, my person called Will White with the price, and Will White said the price was right. No updating, no nothing. I'm sold as of tomorrow. Call Will White. He buys houses. 601-401-4323. 601-401-4323. Or online at homebuyersms.com. At Fillmore Buick GMC, we strive to make buying your next vehicle easy and take care of you long after you drive off the lot. That means upfront and honest pricing, doing everything we can to make the time you spend in the dealership as short or as long as you need. It means we understand that purchasing a vehicle is more than just a transaction for you. We want you to enjoy the experience as much as we appreciate your business. Find your next Buick GMC or pre-owned vehicle at FillmoreBuickGMC.com. 
Fillmore Buick GMC. You drive everything we do. just look at you and see that your soul needed some help, that you were in trouble? If you have, you're a lucky person. I'm telling you, you're a lucky person. Ken from McHenry. Beautiful, beautiful produce. This is gorgeous. Tomatoes and cucumbers and okra and onions and everything. Wow, now I'm really hungry. Okay, BLT is coming up. And, wait a minute now. Ken in Seminary. Y'all are all named Ken today. Okay, that's good. Wonderful name. Very strong name. Ken in Seminary. Beautiful Navajo blackberries. He says that he is picking um, a, a gallon a day, a couple of gallon, a gallon every couple of days. That's just gorgeous. And that is a delicious blackberry, by the way. <laughs> in case you haven't. Now, why would it be named Navajo? Well, it's named Navajo because it is in a series of blackberries that were developed by the University of Arkansas Horticulture Program, and you'd have to ask them because <laughs> I don't know why how they got their names. Same sort of thing. I believe that people were trying to honor the indigenous peoples of our countries, and I'm not putting down, that down at all, but it, it's interesting to me that you would hybridize something and, and take the thorns away from it and then call it something indigenous. However, we also have all those crepe myrtles, you know, Natchez. I mean, they're all named for the tribes and whatnot. They're beautiful, beautiful plants. And, and we do, in choosing plant names, we do choose who we're going to honor because we're going to call that name out for a long time. And that, that's really very cool. Is your hair gray? Well, how much of your hair is gray might be a better question. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I thought all my life that my hair would be perfectly white. And I thought that because my grandmother's hair was perfectly white. Turns out that her hair all fell out from scarlet fever when she was in her early 20s, and it grew back white. She hated it, but nobody told me that. <laughs> the things our grandparents don't tell us. So later on, I kept saying, why didn't my hair turn white? My mother said, your hair's not going to turn white. Your hair's going to look like mine, which is a little bit of silver in it, and that's, that's as much as we get. We have mouse brown, very uninteresting hair. But... Interestingly, back in our mitochondrial connection, the Columbia University Irving Medical Center is wanting us to know they have done a study that shows us quantitatively, all right? They haven't counted it yet, but they know the quantity. They, they, they have counted, they know the quantity of hair relatively to this goes from stress to gray, but it can come back. What? Mm hmm, that's right. They say that Marie Antoinette's hair went gray right before they cut her head off. Okay, now that was in 1791, and I don't recommend that, but I can imagine that stress would be pretty intense at that point if you knew that that's what your future held. Although the legend is inaccurate, um, hair that's already grown out does not, in fact, change color, all right? It was, it was a notion. And what it has given us to is the whole study of whether or not 
hair can turn and whether or not it can turn back. Indeed, we think that, okay, we can see how stress would accelerate it, but we're a little more surprised that eliminating the stress would actually cause you to grow fewer gray hairs. I don't know what this means. There will be more study involved. Everything that's good, you know, we're going to have to split hairs on this one. Yeah, that's right. I said it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, No, I'm not even going to say that. There's there's kins all over the place. Uh, and, And actually... I don't think they're listening today, but I'll tell you that my 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 first and favorite always Ken is a, a friend of mine who was the first boyfriend and the still fifty plus year husband to one of my best friends from childhood. They live in Florida. Hey Ken, <laughs> I don't think they're listening today, but sometimes they do. Um, you can't you can't put a favorite on a name. I can be your favorite Nellie because there's so few of us. <laughs> How do we get shade? Where do, where does it come from? How do we decide, uh, you know, that hot town, summer in the city, and all that those things that we think about at this time in the of the year? People that don't have any shade think about it a lot more than those who don't. We think of throwing shade at someone as a sort of a negative thing or casting a, casting aspersions, you know, or asparagus, if you prefer. We're casting aspersions on somebody. When we throw shade at them, we're putting them down a little bit. But if we're throwing shade and it's June or July, I'm probably going to want to be in its direction anyway because we have to come to understand urban heat islands, all right? said this for years it's always true you can measure the temperature at the airport you can measure the temperature out in the country it won't be the same even though it's 10 miles apart and the 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 the, the latitude's the same the day is the same because of the industrial environment of that urbanity that, that I live in I live in urbanity I live at the airport but I live around a whole lot of other structures and concrete and roads and frankly, trees that are planted in between houses that act like baffles, you know, and all those sorts of things. But the shaded areas do help to lower the temperature and reduce this urban heat island. Um, If you look out into my front garden, for example, at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a hot summer day, there's things that don't look so happy. Now, the limelight hydrangea is perfectly beautiful. It's in full bloom. It's big in the bright, bright full sun. It does great. But even the Clara Curtis mums will have a little bit of a lilt to them, and they they perk right back up. But this urban heat island is something that we have to understand. The the plants that we grow, well, for example, when it's 94 degrees outside in Columbus, Ohio, the temperature could have been 5 degrees cooler if the trees that were there already had cast a canopy. That's what this is so happy for me. I'm I'm so happy about this because this 3D digital model that I'm sure cost gazillions of dollars to do because it's not easy to produce these things is actually telling you what I have said forever. It is 5 degrees difference between here and there on the same day in the same place depending on your shade. That's why some plants can thrive in shade, some plants cannot. That's why some people can thrive in sun and some cannot, because that five-degree difference makes a lot of impact, both on the plants and on us. 
this is helping us to understand their, the model that they're doing, of course, helps us to understand how we can continue to live in environments that are going to become and are becoming too warm for us to live in. How many trees do we have to plant? How much shade do we have to cast? How many awnings do we need? How do, what do we need to make them out of? Um, how do we need to prote- protect ourselves and all of that? Um, and it's <laughs> 108. Okay, maybe it's not 108. At least I hope not today. Oh, are you an Anglo-Saxon? Are, is your family, did you come from the Anglo-Saxon world? Well, you might be surprised. You might not, you, your family may have come from where the Angles and the Saxons are, or they may not. They may have just lived in the culture. Because we're finding out now from the University of Sydney that Anglo-Saxon is a term, a cultural term, language, culture, not genetics makes you an Anglo-Saxon. Okay? I'm here to explain this to you because it's important. University of Sydney and Simon Fraser University in Vancouver has been working on this. They've been studying skeletal remains, and it turns out that it was not one homogenous group in Western Europe. This was actually a melting pot. The Anglo-Saxon Saxon culture that we understand so much about in, in, in all of that Early medieval period there in England goes from the 5th to the 11th centuries A.D. It's a long time. It's a lot of people. But there's migration. There's all kinds of things that have changed in those people based on studying their skeletons. They were not a homogenous group as we were all taught, frankly. I love it because every week there's something that I probably answered on a test question somewhere along the way that turns out to be hoo-ha, turns out to be bogus because we studied some more. And we learned some more. We progressed in our ability to grasp who we are and where we come from. So I'm here to tell you that just like contemporary Britain is full of people of different ancestries sharing a common language and culture, and that makes them all Britons, I'm telling you here in America, I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you look like. I don't care who your genetics are related to. If you become an American, we're all Americans. That's the point. That's how we work together. That's how we get things done, not by slipping off into trying to remember. I mean, I'm Welsh, okay? How many friends do you think I would have if I was only looking for people that were Welsh? (laughs) That would be a pretty small group. Almost everybody has some of that. If you happen to look at your ancestry DNA, you will have something of Europe. You'll have something of Africa. You'll have something of this part of the world, that part of the world. But we're Americans, So all of that's important. It gives us a sense of basic genetic identity, but it's not who we are. And who we are, just as the folks understand publishing in PLOS One talking about Anglo-Saxons, it's it's really all about these Anglo-Saxon kingdoms, and in our case, the American society is a mix of people and traits that come from all over the place. And that's really, quite frankly, what makes it better than anywhere else that you could possibly choose to live. Oh, except maybe, wait a minute, there's more than 2,000 planets. You ever feel like there's people looking at you or somebody that, that there's eyes on you? Well, they might be, because in Cornell University is reporting to us this week that there are 2,034, what a specific number, nearby star systems within the small cosmic distance, it's really not very far, 326 light years, that could in fact find Earth simply by watching our 
pale blue or blue marble go across the sun. They would see it the same as us. Isn't that cool? 2034 could potentially see us. I, I, I think we need to pay attention to that. We're understanding we're seeing all of these things now of the unidentified flying objects and whatnot that have always been around. Those of you, you know, whoever listened to overnight radio on Super Talk and, you know, George and Art Bell and everybody that, in that world, we all understand that. We understand that there's been great controversy about it. And every now and then there would be a pilot that said, I saw something I couldn't recognize. And then that person would disappear. <laughs> You'd never hear from them again. But now the reports are out and the transparency and the issue is there. So maybe these folks are watching us. Maybe there's somebody to watch us. Maybe they've already watched us. Maybe they're going to help us figure out what to do next. Maybe they're just observing and laughing, you know. It's really interesting. Um, for example, by watching the distant exoplanets cross their suns, we are now able to interpret the distance and the astronomical insights and importance of this. Um, it, the analysis are just crazy, but I wanted to let you know that this is the Breakthrough Starshot Initiative, and what they're trying to do is to launch a nano-sized spacecraft, you know, that means teeny tiny, towards the closest exoplanet that has been detected around Proxima Centauri, only 4.2 light years away. Okay, that's not very far in cosmic terms, of course, and to try and see it and understand it. So that's where this research could eventually take us. And me, I hope it's sooner than later. I want, I want to see more. I want to hear more. Oh, let's see. Um, Jasper County, Vicki's on the text line, and the maple tree leaves turn black and fall off in the summer. It started last year, and it's doing it again this year. I can also see lichen growing on the base of that tree, and I can also see that your lawn grows all the way up to it. I'm going to put out there that that the maples, generally speaking, if they're going to get um, a blackening fungus like this, it is going to be a result of a root problem. And I'm thinking your yours is just staying too wet under there. I would um, certainly get a fungicide and begin dealing with the, the leaves themselves, but I also want you to consider pulling that grass back and testing, you, see, you know, putting your finger in the soil underneath. If it's staying wet all the time, you need to help it dry out by taking the grass off and literally creating a space about three feet around the tree that, that can dry out from time to time. Um, maple trees don't have a lot of trouble, but they can get some root problems that will cause them to manifest on top and lose their leaves. There's also some... Uh, I don't know, Ken. I think I would take that thermometer down. I don't think I want to know how hot it is. <laughs> That's awfully warm. <laughs> very, very warm. Woo-wee! Now, you know what you got to do. You have to be somebody that everybody can look up to in this world. You're a gardener. That means you're a better person than the person that isn't. Mm-hmm. That's right. I said it. Because you know what the earth is all about, and you're growing things. Now, come on now. Let's go. This is Weekend Gardening. Together. All I know, all I know, love will save the day.
to make more money? Do you need a high school diploma? Do you need help fast? No problem. Contact your local community college to learn more about the My Best program. My Best, improving the quality of life for Mississippians. I'm Dr. Andrea Mayfield, Executive Director of the Mississippi Community College Board. Funding for this ad provided by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. Welcome to Mike Drop, the show where Mississippi Farm Bureau President Mike McCormick drops some helpful knowledge. Here's something very helpful. You can join Mississippi Farm Bureau for less than $50 a year. There are so many benefits to your membership, including money-saving perks, access to Farm Bureau insurance, protecting your land, and making a difference in your community through advocacy. Visit your Farm Bureau friends and neighbors at your county office or sign up online today at msfb.org. You can bet the farm on it. Hey, this is Jimmy Primos at the range in Gluckstadt. Right now, we're offering great specials on memberships to our state-of-the-art indoor shooting range. Join now and get your first month free. While you're here, check out our full-service gunsmithing department. We offer everything from professional gun cleaning, Cerakoting, camo application, accurizing, to custom rifle bills. We hope to see you soon. You might even get to meet my wife, Jane. That'll be a real trip. Are you a hard worker? Are you dependable? Do you have a good attitude? Do you want to be part of a team? If so, the Black Label Bridge Builders at Key Constructors offers lead men and women purpose-driven career opportunities with on-the-job and outside training, leadership development, and benefits. To learn more about what it takes to be a Black Label Bridge Builder, please visit Key's website at keyconstructors.com. Please also follow at Key Constructors on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to see regular updates on the Black Label Bridge Builders. Does your body hurt? Have you tried unsuccessful treatments for plantar fasciitis, tennis elbow, shoulder pain, or IT band? Innovative Health Clinic, formerly Acoustic Wave Treatment Center, offers an affordable non-surgical solution through acoustic wave therapy. The beneficial effects of acoustic wave therapy are often experienced after only one or two treatments. The therapy eliminates pain and restores mobility, improving your quality of life. Schedule your appointment at 601-944-5585 or online at InnovativeHealthClinic.net. Now taking same-day appointments. I'm one of thousands of women with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body. I'm living in the moment and taking Ibrand's Popocyclib. Ibrand's 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for postmenopausal women or for men with HR positive HER2 negative MBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Be in your moment. Ask your doctor about Ibrand's and visit Ibrand's.com. Ibrand's may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrand's may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrand's, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Are the trees and shrubs running your yard instead of you? Let the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros take out your problem limb by limb. Baroni's Tree Pros is your complete tree, shrub, and stump removal service. No job is too big for the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. And with our superior cleanup, you can't go wrong. Baroni's Tree Pros, 601-345-8090. 601-345-8090. That's 601-345-8090. Or online at Baroni'sTreePros.com. That's Baroni'sTreePros.com. 
Yes, indeed. Um, for the person who sent me the email asking about this song, um, yes, that is a cut. That is not the way the song goes when Dan released it. It was not that way. It's a cut. And yes, you're right as to who made it. Thank you very much for remembering. Um, Bright Side of the Road, Van Morrison, you've been hearing this. You've been reading all this stuff. Um, <laughs> he and Eric Clapton have got themselves into a world of hurt. And since it's Eric Clapton's Keep On Growing that starts this program and ends it, and since Van Morrison dominates, I feel like I need to say something. <laughs> okay. Do y'all know what a curmudgeon is? Is this today's word? A curmudgeon is somebody who complains. Usually it's not thought of as the the, the big B word, you know, the carry on all the time, but it's somebody that just... Andy Rooney was considered a curmudgeon. You always think of people who, well, yeah, it was pretty, but... Well, yeah, that was a nice party, but oh, gee whiz, the temperature was too cold, or oh, you know, they've always got something to say, and curmudgeons tend to chew on those things. Very seldom will you hear them say, Gosh, it was a great day. Thanks for coming to see me. You know, they're not that sort of people. Well, Van Morrison's always been a curmudgeon. Eric Clapton's always been a curmudgeon to a certain extent, less so. But Van Morrison loves nothing more than to, as somebody else that we all know and love would say, loves to just roll that up in there and see what happens. You know, just throw that dice and see what happens. Well, Mr. Morrison and Mr. Clapton are known for their opinions in this last year they have both chewed pretty hard on this whole business of pandemic and what they think about it and as much as i love their music i don't agree with either one of them on this business of what the pandemic is or where it's what it's about you may not agree with me either we all can agree about gardening and music and that's as far as it needs to go so stop sending me the emails asking me if i'm going to drop van morrison because he's down on all of it. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm interested in his music. I'm not interested. I don't want to marry him. Okay. I don't even want to go on an island vacation with Eric Clapton. I might have once in my life wanted that, but never have actually considered it seriously. I just want to hear their music. And this does not go to, they shouldn't express their opinions. That's fine. But I'm not going to qualify my appreciation of their music based on some kind of dumbheaded things that they've said about pandemics and vaccinations and going on tour and shots and things and they are both going on tour they do both want to tell you eric clapton particularly that his friends aren't speaking to him because of this point of view um as one who is completely vaccinated and really believes that you should be too unless you just can't you know if you're immunocompromised or if you're under 12 okay you can't do that but this is one of those um issues where I don't have to agree with them about everything. So y'all can stop sending me the emails. Somebody asked me if I was going to change the theme of the show. I may change the theme of the show. I do that every 10 years or so. <laughs> but, but, but not because of this. And I won't stop playing Van Morrison music either. But I won't, I won't play his more popular things. I like the odd ones. Um, um, the answer, Ken, is no. <laughs> so, Oh, my goodness. I didn't know what a vervet monkey was, all right? I thought I knew my monkeys, but I didn't know this one. Um, there was a colony of African vervet monkeys that 
settled in Dania Beach more than 70 years ago in Florida. Did you know that? I did not know that. And <laughs> the thick mangrove forest by the airport doesn't seem like where you'd want them to be. But I've actually been to the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood Airport, and I certainly can't say that I ever saw them. But this is a non-native monkey, the vervets. Um, they're lovely. They've, they've been there. They're, it's really not much of a primate in terms of the amount of study that it's had, because there's only been one scientific study back in the 90s, simply because there aren't that many of them, and all of a sudden there are. In other words, they're not, they're not distributed. They don't have an ecology. They don't have a habitat area. They're just in this space. So it turns out the original stories were that they were from a failed roadside zoo. No, who knows? We think, however, that they actually indeed escaped the Dania chimpanzee farm back in 1948. And when they settled in the mangrove forest near Fort Lauderdale, they said, hey, we found a new spot. We're staying here. Interesting, though, that we haven't studied them because you'd think that we would. Um, I love this. It's, it's, again, that word novel, because it's not something that would be native to them. They, we, we wouldn't expect to find them in a mangrove forest in any other part of the world, but that's just where they happen to be here. Therefore, it is novel. When we talk about, for example, the novel coronavirus, there's always coronaviruses, but this one is novel because it is in a different, a different place and a different expectation has evolved around it. Um, the Dania chimpanzee, chimpanzee farm has had... Uh, Sort of a history that is one of those that we're we're glad we know more than we did then. It, they were research subjects in um, the area of polio vaccine research, and they were brought to Florida from Sierra Leone. We wouldn't do that now, okay? We understand more about the animals that we would need to be using. We'd probably go to Sierra Leone, or we would go and get genetics from them. We wouldn't get the, the animals themselves. But this is commonly referred to as the green monkey because they are real fairly green looking um they're they're endemic to west africa they are the most widespread of the african monkeys and they are in fact habitat generalists so the fact that they moved in and set up shop in the mango forest is, is not unexpected it's just unexpected <laughs> it's, it's not not impossible to imagine but it just it's just the way it is um jimbo lovely jimbo jimbo's got um Two Adirondack rocking chairs on the front lawn <laughs> with a beautiful American flag. Lovely, lovely ferns on the porch. That look, You're right, that does look great. <laughs> that really does look great. Um, there's, there's an awful lot to be said for embracing the music and, and not talking to the composer. I don't really think I would have wanted to have had a conversation with Beethoven either. So there you have it. Um, oh! I don't even know if I can. I leave you with this. You, you, this is going to be one of those things. Tomorrow is a Patreon evening for those of you who are part of the Patreon Garden Mama community. Patreon.com/slash/GardenMama. I'd love to have you join us. Go on over to Patreon.com/slash/GardenMama, and of course, you can always send me an email, and I will let you know about it. You can send that to the Garden Mama community at Gmail or to Mama on Air at Yahoo. We we do both of those. Um, just to leave you with something that if you thought the vervet monkeys living in the mangrove forest was weird, it turns out that we're now understanding that a new species actually formed 
when the Mediterranean dried up. Now, we don't know what happens when things dry up entirely because usually they just go to sear or to devastation. But this year, we have now found out the reason there's so many wall lizards in the Mediterranean is because when it dried up, that was the species that was able to survive, and they dominated. Well, makes a lot of sense to me. Drastic levels in sea levels and changes in sea levels and stuff, of course, like that, six million years ago affected them. We have to pay attention to what's going to happen next here, because we just don't know. Thank you very much for being part of all of this today. Daniel, you did a good job. Thank you, sir. Glad you're here. Now listen up, y'all. All good. Now, see, there's his voice. He has a sweet voice. Y'all come back next week. We'll do some more weekend gardening. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of TeleSouth Communication. Hey y'all, let's take some pride and get it together for Mississippi. Many of our highways and roads are just covered in litter. Put trash in its proper place. And if you drive a truck, remember, trash blows. Be sure to secure your load. Please do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. That's keepmsbeautiful.org. Remember, always protect the road, secure your load. There's not a lot that's free in life. I mean, it costs to bring you into this world, and when you leave it, and everything in between. Well, there is something free and valuable to your well-being, and that's for you to call 811 before you dig, pull stumps, erect a mailbox, dig a post, or start a garden. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. Attention! If you deal with anything from minor to extremely hazardous environmental spills, you've got to check out the full line of absorbents at ESI Supply. They've got white and gray absorbent pads by the bundle or by the roll, sock knit broom products, oil gator, oil dry, spill kits, and more. Just because you haven't had a spill doesn't mean you won't. Give the guys at ESI a call to find out more about how you can be prepared and protect your business's liability. 601-933-4910. That's 601-933-4910. Or visit ESISupply.net. I'm Andy Gibson, your Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce. You can support Mississippi's many talented farmers, artisans, and craftsmen by purchasing products with a genuine Mississippi logo. And that's the proof it's the real deal. To find products grown, raised, crafted, and made in our great state, just visit GenuineMS.com or visit the Genuine Mississippi store at the Mississippi Farmers Market every Monday through Friday, 11 to 1, and Saturdays, 8 to 1. I'm Andy Gibson, and I am Genuine Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.